1: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: In this podcast, chat about the draw against Sunderland, the review of the January window, and answer your podcast questions. This is the Borough Breakdown Podcast, and this is why Borough Matchday chatter in a pod.
0: Support Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Oh!
1: Ravinelli coming alive again, Giannino wants the ball played to him, Ravinelli spots out, Emerson!
2: Hello and welcome to the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny Dana and Matt. We so are the Bora Podcast that gives you all of your Borough Mash Day chatter. In a podcast, and we're coming off a 1-1 draw against Sunderland today. Max Force gave the lead, and we were pegged back right at the death. Uh, we'll say death it was quite a few minutes ago, and we nearly <laughs> threw it away. Um, football
3: cliches moment there, Johnny.
2: Football <laughs> cliches, indeed. <laughs> uh, in, but Borough were denied uh, three points, of course, in the derby. It's not a derby, but it is a derby. It is a derby, but it's not. Kind of as a derby, but it might not be. Depends how you feel about it. I don't really know if it is a derby. Is it a derby? Who knows? It might not be a derby. Um, should we just move on? Because it's not really a derby, so we shouldn't really talk no, about no, it's
4: it. it's not a derby. Um, it is a derby. It is a derby. Sunderland 1-1-1 a day. I'll have you <laughs> I know.
2: I'll take it away. We'll borrow 12 on 41 points. Uh, got a game of uh, on the playoff teams around us as well. And we're four points off as well. But well, guys, key tech out from the game as well. As uh, I was asked before, i move into the Sunland game. But Matt, I'll come to you first. What's your, your one key takeout from uh, the game yesterday? Well, today. Oh, my God, yesterday, today. <laughs> it was a few hours ago.
4: <laughs> I think it's that um, I feel like we're just going around on an endless cycle of inconsistency and mediocrity. I feel like post-January, it feels like January didn't even happen. It feels like we're, we're just exactly the same team slightly different personnel we've got players coming back which is good but it just feels like it's just more of the same from what we've had throughout the season we can't pull a run together we're not really consistent in our performances you don't quite know what Borough is going to turn up game to game and once again in a game where at least in the second half I felt like we we took control and, and we had some of them where we wanted them we still failed to convert the three points due to a low xg chance i don't quite know how low xg it was but it's another opportunity that came from nowhere somehow found a twin at the back of our net due to an individual error so it just feels like we're on this ride that's just going round and round and round and i want to get off it to find some consistency (laughs) i want to find some form i want to just have a fully fit solid borough 11 week in week out but it's just not happening and it's just like we're going round and round and round and i don't know when it's going to end
2: to make you feel any better um max i know you love the xg and the uh gold chance but um it was their mm-hmm. lowest chance in terms of xg in the game and the score from it just to make you feel a little bit better about yourself cheers mate but yeah just to start of throwing it in there but dana, uh dana van boromol what did you <laughs> was your key take out uh from the week
3: I think my takeout is that although we are within touching distance of the top six, and that needs to be stressed, this game today was yet another example of many, it has to be said, that back up my belief that we will not finish in the top six come the end of the season. Like, sorry to be negative about it. It's not irrational, it's not based off the game today solely. It's a belief that I've held for a few months now we're just inconsistent our home form is relatively poor we have fitness issues and we don't have a striker really we well right now we don't and then when you look at Latilath Arthur Corburn there's just a general lack of depth of quality there so yeah today was just another example that really does back up that belief that I, I don't think that we will finish in the top six unfortunately I hope I'm wrong though
2: maybe who knows uh, it's not Fully written off yet, you know. Obviously, there was only four points came okay, in hand, of course. So things can definitely change, but I can definitely see the the landscape of the championship: who've invested heavily in in the January, who hasn't, who are happy, who aren't really happy, who want to go for it, and who don't really want to go for it. And you know, Borough could happily get the playoffs, and I think they could definitely do it. Still, it's just, it, I think it comes it comes back down to what you guys were saying there on the inconsistencies. And I would say today's game, if you wanted to look at Borough's season in a football match, this was probably the game to see it. Great moments. Marcus Foster's goal is absolutely superb. You know, we we got away uh, with a couple of things earlier in, this, in the season. Well, when we were on that on that run, a big chance. Of course, we gave away a sloppy goal and also a, a chance which we shouldn't really be conceding. So you could have had all of that and you could have said, well, that was typical Borough that and not really given a uh given some the the sword when we needed them i think when we were ahead we could have really finished that game off today and we never and it was just very typical of us not to do that it shows as well like, even with the players that came off as well like greenwood and force we both had cramp but at first you were like oh no this is an injury. Here we go again, and that again just builds into the narrative of what our season has been. It's pretty much, pretty, pretty much just a, a season of injuries and inconsistencies. But that's football, you know. That's football, and uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll, I think we'll be fine. But I think we should have probably beat Sunderland today, uh, when especially we're in that ascendancy in, in the second half. So to draw it was a bit disappointing, but. We will chat about it now because then I want to hear your overall assessment because to go ahead in the second half after, I would say, a very cagey, fast-paced first half um, and then to to ties, I don't know, how, we, how are you feeling about it? Because I, I, per, I personally, I felt a little bit disappointed leaving the ground.
3: Yeah, it felt like a defeat, to be honest. I thought we started the game poorly. We lost the ball within the first 14 seconds and I thought, oh God, here we go. Because I feel like you can maybe gauge the opening phases of a game by literally, like, one of the first involvements of it or maybe that's just, just me being harsh but yeah it was flat the atmosphere was flat in the home quarters of the stadium it it, it just we didn't have a lot to really react to but we did have a big chance through finna Zaz, who i think if he just gained a little bit of composure and kept that shot down we would have been one a lot but in the interest of balance they had a big chance i do not know how they didn't score Through Barr. It was a really good goal line clearance from Rav. But I mean, Barr took that shot as if there wasn't a player on the line. Like he took it as if it was a complete open goal. And like he, it was very lapsed and blase about it. The, The shot was really weird. But then we picked it up in the second half. I think one of the things that I noticed in the first half is we just didn't have a lot of width and actually. It was them that were attacking us down the sides. And in the second half, it was us that was attacking them. They still held that threat, of course, with Jack Clark, who's one of the, the best wingers in the league. But we picked up in the second half. I think we deserved our goal. It was a brilliant finish from Marcus Force, And it felt like we were comfortable. Like the game kind of descended into a little bit of a lull. But I don't think they really posed much of a threat. Their performance fell off a cliff in the second half. It really did. And then they score a goal out of nothing. And as much as people want to say that it wasn't Glover's fault, it was his fault that the ball ended up in the back of the net. But if you want to unpick that goal, we'll probably talk about it in a second. There was just so much wrong with it, really. We got pulled apart on the counter-attack and even the attack that we did have. I'll mention it now, actually. Engel has the ball. He cuts it back. Colburn and Silvera run into each other's space and there's absolutely no one that picks up that ball. So I'm thinking, in terms of our attacking, before I speak about our defence, that was poor. Poor from Silvera, probably to pick the same run as Colburn. But also we got absolutely caught out on the counter-attack, players flooding over to Jack Clark's side and leaving the other side completely free. That was obvious. That, that ball from Clark to their player, whose name I can't pronounce, was so obvious and... <laughs> Oh, it's just frustrating the manner at which we conceded that because it obviously meant that we didn't win the game.
2: Yeah, and it was a, a typical counter, but I was a press bar, But on the attacking side of things, I always think a good strike is in the back post. Me, I always think that the back post is the area where the ball will naturally come to. And it felt like he was going too heavy on the front post.
3: I don't mind that Colburn makes that run. My issue is that Silvera makes it. Like Silvera yeah. in that situation. I think he can see Coburn, but Coburn probably can't see Silvera because Silver a little bit behind him. I just don't know why he chose to make the same run as him, and obviously in the end it it meant that like i is the ball from Engel bad? I wouldn't say it was really, no, but maybe in terms of decision making he should have maybe spotted the runs being made at the near post, and yeah, there's so much to unpick from that goal, both defensively and offensively,
2: yeah, magic do you think in general, I honestly went something like, like, "Do you think that board did enough to to win the game?"
4: I don't think we did. I think we we had a, a period in the second half where we had something right where we wanted them, and I think that was the period to which we should have would have maybe last season we would have killed the game off, put them to bed, hit a second, third, and that'd have been it, game over. First half, as you say, was I think we got let off a couple of times. I know Fenis has had a fantastic chance, which I'm surprised he didn't do better with. I sort of associate him as a player who is quite composed, and I would have thought he'd have took a touch and and just set himself and tried to place that without like slinging his foot at it first time. But we had a big let off. I think Bar had another really good opportunity where he he didn't square the ball. He sort of side footed it into the the side netting. I, mm. He had Bellingham coming up right behind him. I'm sure there were players coming in the box. Even if he just squares it into an area, anything can happen. So I feel like we were let off there. Obviously, Rav bailed us out of jail as well. So I think on the balance, the first half could have went either way. Arguably, Sunderland slightly, maybe had the better, the, the better of the chances. And then second half, we, we really had them right where we wanted them. I don't know if it was the fact that we stepped up or as Dana said, they just come out and fell off a cliff. I mean, as I said to you during the game, Johnny, they just seemed to lose all their tempo, their shape, their composure. They just looked like, a different sides, and that's where I think we should have killed the game off and put the game beyond all doubt. essentially we didn't and I guess you're always leaving the door open for the opposition to to catch you and, and have that one chance. It only takes one chance, and it seems like this season all teams need is one chance against us because it'll find its way into the back of the net somehow, and it's just frustrating that once again it doesn't because I don't even think is it Rusin Rusin I mean his first touch was bad. the strike didn't seem great either. And yet it somehow found its way into the, into the near post. So, yeah, it's disappointing. But I think we had a period in the game where we should have put it to bed and we didn't. So I'd argue we probably didn't do enough to win the game in the end.
2: Interesting. I, I thought we did. I thought we did enough. Once we got ahead, I thought there was we, we were doing enough in the game to, to kind of win the game. Also, we didn't create too much. We felt like we were on the front, foot. we were creating the better chance, like the half chance we were having better of the play. To draw it was a bit disheartening, and, and to be honest, and I, I know that will be a few Sunderland fans, listen For me, I think Michael Bale's absolutely killed Sunderland, and I cannot believe that he's made them that bad in the space of eight, eight or seven or eight games. I think he's killed their outlet completely in Jack Clark um, and just not made them fun. I, I, I know it sounds ridiculous, but under Moabra, I was, I was quite watching Sunderland. If you're watching them, if the game was on telly, you go, oh, well, they were creating quite a few chances. They were quite fun to watch. Boring, they're awful, and I, I, I it frustrated me leaving the ground. I was thinking we should have really put them to the side and just finish them off, but it's frustrating. And that's their pretty much full strength squad as well. And it, it, it just annoyed me, that's what annoys me even more with them at the moment. But yeah, I think if, if I was on the fan, I'd want Michael to be at my club immediately because I think they it's, do. It's, it's, actually, it's, it's like actually impressive how you can make a side who is really good on the transition and really. If you've got a space, they really like maximise it with special Clark and they, obviously the bring around as well. But yeah, like they were so good at that, and then they've just went okay, well we'll try and control things and become really narrow, which bill teams do, and it just nullifies everything. I just don't understand it. But anyway, this is not on the podcast, but um, <laughs> it's just I just to say, like on record that get him out because he's off. Well, actually, no, no you know keep, him in. keep him in charge. Keep him in charge <laughs> it's actually quite funny. <laughs> but as a footballer, um, just get him out. But yeah, Hashtag I think feeling. feeling for life. I was going to say, obviously, we know that Global could have done better, but then I know like, football is very, very reactionary. Um, you can see in the phone, and you can hear it on Twitter, you can hear it wherever. And one minute, you're the best player in the world. The next minute, you're the worst thing in the world. And everyone hates you and gives you death wishes. But do you think people will probably forget the good work that Glover's already did in the last few games, just based on the one mistake that he did the day.
3: I hope not. But, yeah, you mentioned the reactionary opinion post-match. I did see a few tweets, and I must say that this is probably a minority, or at least I'd hope, of people saying, oh, I knew that he was crap. <laughs> what? Like, what? Like, he's been fine. And this comes from someone who, I went to the, the early rounds of the Cup, and there were a few iffy moments of his, and that made me think, he's a bit suspect and obviously the opinion that we heard of him when he signed was very much of that narrative that he's a little bit suspect he's got a few mistakes in him obviously there was it was a mistake today but that's really the only one that we've seen of Tom Glover he's been really good for us you know he's he's made some really good saves he's been solid I think his commanding of the box has been good I'm not going to sit here and say oh yeah I knew it I knew he was crap because in truth at least in my opinion, he's been absolutely fine. He's made us pretty much forget that Senny Diang exists, apart from Matt, who probably has a poster of Senny Diang somewhere in his room there. So, yeah, he's been fine, and this was a a, a blip, we would hope. But, yeah, it was unfortunate for, for Borough because we did seem like we were not sailing towards the win, but it didn't feel like someone were a threat. It is a mistake, and I can't say it's an unfortunate mistake. It's just a poor mistake. But it's a rare one from Tom Glover. I think he's been good for us this season when he stepped in for DA. And
2: what do you, what do you think, Matt? Do you think in fact just in general as well? I know we speak about it quite a lot when we when we sit next to each other, but like in general, what do you think we're quite quick as a as a fan base to to write players off, like especially after the spawn mistake? Dana's not. Yeah, definitely.
4: Definitely. Yeah,
3: because I'm, I'm seeing people say that Zaz is shy and I'm like my god he's had about two seconds on the pitch like give him a chance man
4: yeah I was going to make the point about Zaz um you hear it at the game as well and you see it on Twitter and the guys how many minutes has he had he's clocked up uh, two and a half games for as if that I think it's it is unfair I think Borough fans I mean it probably happens everywhere but yeah Borough fans do react too quickly to players and I think especially with the model that we have now in terms of we're looking to sign players who are not dropping down a level to come to borough they're not big players who are coming here on loan we are naturally looking for gems who are probably going to have played at clubs who are below borough smaller clubs playing maybe in the same league like plymouth for example or maybe even teams from lower leagues so Naturally, you've got to expect if that's the sort of player Borough are bringing in, then they're going to need a period to step up. They're probably playing with better players. They're probably playing in a maybe a better system, a different system. And I think naturally, even just going to any football club, you need time to bed in. It doesn't matter if they're a bigger club, a smaller club or whatever. But I think naturally with us when we are bringing players who are going to see this move as a step up in quality and a step up in their career, then, yeah, they are going to have to take time to get up to that standard. And I've definitely seen it with Azaz. I'm a bit worried he's going to become a bit of a boo boy already. And I think there's a lot of potential in Azaz. And I think I think he will settle in and become a really good player for us. And it is a shame to see people reacting to him so quickly. But we've seen it time and time again. I think I remember seeing it with Morgan Rogers, and yet you had the same people kicking off that we sold him when we did. so football fans for you
2: yeah and I think on his on side as well we were saying earlier like I would love to see Finn as just in this, that central position really I was saying that's where he flourishes and you could see like little glimpses of him today where he was able to like unlock a defence just in that position and when McGree comes back I would love to see McGree and then as and then probably force on that right if when if and when Jones is out how long however he's out for and, you know, I'd just like to see more of it because I think there is definitely a player there. But just in general, I think in, play, in terms of players writing them off, Lucas Engel, Morgan Rogers, just to say this season, Rav Vandenberg was a boo-boy for a good four or five games um, at the start when he made that error at Huddersfield. You know, you've got Sidney Dieng, you've got Glover, you've got Balassa, you've got Tube Akpom, you've got, trying to think of who else, you could probably, if you really sat down and thought about it, how many players have just been completely wrote off in a very short period and then they've came good or have had really good moments. And I think it's just in general, like, if you're starting a new job, you're never good on your first day or first week or whatever, first month, because you're still, like, kind of learning things. And I don't get why football's so different. Yes, it's the same game, but it's just a different... Environment similar to what you do in a day to day, same as like buying a car. You know what I mean? You get buying your car, you know not to drive a car, but it's different, so you, it's not as what you're used to. So I just don't know. I just I'm I'm kind of very anti like just writing players off. I'm just like, yeah, they might not be great at the like at the moment. They might have a bad game, but they're not a robot. You know what I mean? Like they're not going to be perfect every game, right? But go on, Dan, are you gonna are you uh, I
3: was yeah, I was going to say I think you can flip it to the other side as well. And there's there's fans that go a little bit too. They get too excited about a player on their first start like I'll always remember <laughs> tweets about Marcus Bettinelli being a really really good goalkeeper at the beginning because he kept clean sheets and then look what happened with with him really the worst goalkeeper that I've seen and we've had a flurry of really bad goalkeepers so yeah I think it it's just nice to have a balance isn't it but I think with the football discourse a lot of the time it's either you're too high or you're too low and there's no middle ground so yeah, I mean, we we come on here and we speak and I'd like to think that we're balanced, but uh yeah, sometimes you can get overexcited, of course. It's an emotional sport. And when you see a a player play really well or, you know, they have a, a really good introduction, sometimes that can be amplified in regards to how you speak it, how you project how you've taken and received the their performance. But yeah, it's just nice to have a middle ground, I think.
2: Yeah, and speaking of players that were written off straight away, especially by a manager um, who is now angry by ham sandwiches, um, <laughs> and, and that is Chris <laughs> Wilder. Um, and uh, Marcus Force, of course, and he scored for, for Borat a day, and it was a lovely start uh, from Sean Wilson as well around Millsburn. where the goals are coming from this season. And, of course, with him scoring that, we've had eight players now in terms of Crooks, Foss, Corburn, Rogers. Greenwood, McGree, Jones, and who am I missing? Oh, that I laugh. That I oh. laugh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, Elliot <laughs> right in front of my eyes. And I missed it. Um, I've all scored for five of more goals this season. Last time it happened was in 1901, 1902 season. We all know how that season ended uh, as well. And obviously Johnny Housen is closest to that on three. Um, but Marcus Force. I just want to give him some love loving, loving. I thing because he's come back, it's three and four uh, for him and he just looks like rejuvenated and so happy and what a great finish as well. So uh, Matt, do you love Marcus Foss? Because I love Marcus Foss. Do you love him?
4: I adore Marcus Foss. Also about that start, I think Johnny Hansen actually played in the 1901 or 2 season. <laughs> <laughs> he did, he did. Back. Yeah, I, um, he was captain as well. Yeah, yeah, I think he was. Um, yeah, I do. I, I, I just there's some players who you just have such a soft spot for, and I just love Marcus Force, and I, I've just loved since since he's come back. I think he's he's shown exactly why he's the best finisher at the club. <laughs> And the way he took that goal was absolutely outstanding. I didn't quite clock at first how good his first touch was. I just obviously saw the ball fly in the back of the net. But when you look back at the replay, the, the ball deflects and it comes at him so quick. Not only does he touch with his weaker foot, he then turns, hits it so sweetly past the goalkeeper. It's just, that is the... You know, when you look at a centre forward and you want that added little bit of extra quality in the final third and we're looking at Lath and we're looking at Colburn and we're thinking, yeah, okay, they're good. They're good in moments. Certain games might suit them. But that little extra sprinkle of, I don't know what you want to call it, stardust quality, whatever it is, he has that. And I think if you just put him in the right place, give him the opportunities in front of goal, more times than not, he'll hit the target and more times than not, he'll probably go in as well. It's just such a fantastic goal. I love him. I'm relieved. I believe it was just cramp that he went off with earlier. I was a little bit, I think as we all were, very, very concerned when he went down a couple of times. But I love him. I want to see him played up front. I want to see him up front and getting given chances because there's no doubt he'll He'll put more of them away than not. So I adore Marcus Force. Absolutely. Yeah, and
2: I want, I want to come to the subs in a moment, but Dana, I'm assuming you want to give some love for, for Marcus Force as well.
3: Yeah, it was an incredible goal and, and a Great reaction to it as well. The Riverside exploded and and actually on reactions. Matt mentioned it there. the, The quickness of being able to react to that deflection that obviously took the ball into his path is, is really good. He is a fantastic finisher, and we know this and there's a big conversation around should he play through the middle, should he play on the right? I think as long as you get him in the box, because he can get into the box playing on the right, you know, we've seen it with Christian Stuani in the promotion season I think give him the chances um, I'd be fairly confident that he could put them away. We need to make sure that he stays fit from now until the end of the season because I think he could be a big, big player in Borough's playoff push I don't want to be bedwetty here, but I think if Marcus Force gets injured again and is out for a period of time, I would probably say that I'm 90% sure that we won't get in the playoffs. And I mean, I'm already, you know, obviously on the side of we won't get into the playoffs, but yeah, I think he's going to be a big, big player for us because he's a fantastic finisher and that showed it. That was the prime example of Marcus Force's finishing ability. It's good to have a player like him on our books.
2: hundred percent and, you know... I kind, of, I kind of want to see him on up front, but then I'm like, you know, if you score goals from the right and it works, then cool, oh, yeah. just keep doing it. Just keep it's doing not going it. to
3: happen, is it, Johnny, unfortunately? Yeah. We can try and manifest it, but I just don't think Carrick sees him as, as an option there, really. Yeah. Well he, he does he does see him as an option there, but I think he primarily sees him as is that right sided forward.
2: Yeah, and look, I'm at the supporters forum tomorrow. So um that'd be that'd be my question. I'd be like, look, can we just try <laughs> force in the middle for a couple of games, see how it goes? Um but I wanted to come back to the subs side of things because a lot is made about substitutions, how do they impact games, how can they come in and influence some key moments and you know Sullen made some subs which probably impacted the game to some extent, boris subs probably impacted it in a negative way. I would say they were more forced than anything, part of the with the force and force going off. But um, in your opinions, how did they impact Borough's performance? I think, you know, Silvera coming on for force, Corburn coming on for Greenwoods, O'Brien came on for, for Balassa as well, and then Thomas for, for Engel. And, and Matt, how do you think they influenced things for Borough?
4: It's a tough one. I think, I think Carrick's hands were forced with the substitutions. I was quite surprised by the number of fans who were criticising him for them substitutions uh, after the game, when it was clear Greenwood was struggling, Force was struggling. We do not want to risk anyone getting any more injuries. So it was unfortunate, but I think it really did it upset our flow a little bit. And the game was never really the same from that moment on. I think Sammy come on and did all right, but I actually thought Greenwood had one of his better games. I think instead of him coming towards the ball, he was getting in behind a lot and he might have not timed his runs perfectly well every single time but it's good to see him getting in behind and and giving the opposition a problem off the ball rather than him you know only really doing much on the ball so yeah, I think having that option in behind might have affected us. I think Josh Coburn was fairly ineffective when he came on. I was a bit surprised to see Barlasser be taken off. I thought Barlaser was actually having a pretty good game. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say something that a lot of fans might not have. I would have took Johnny Housen off if I was to have taken a midfielder off. I know Hackney didn't have the best game either, but I would not have took barlasser off at that point if I'm honest out of the three midfielders so yeah it's just weird isn't it how substitutions can just change the flow of a side I don't think Carrick should be criticized as much as he was for the Greenwood and four substitution but I was a little bit unsure on the bar last one I don't know what you guys think about that but um yeah it's just it's just unfortunate circumstances isn't it that we had two two players who were playing such a big part in how we were attacking both go off at the at the same time
2: yeah I'll let you jump in D, uh because I look like you had a point and then I'll, I'll jump in afterwards
3: yeah I agree Barlasser coming off was a surprise I mean because I saw Corbin first and then every time that I looked back over to the dugout there was another player that was ready to come on and I was like three at once that's interesting I didn't actually see Greenwood struggling but I think that change in particular was really important as Matt said Greenwood was actually far more effective through the middle in that number nine position than he has been on the left and I think it was because he was able to make those runs and again as Matt said he didn't timed them perfectly every time he did get in once for that finish as chance actually where he timed it perfectly so there's intrigue and maybe potential there in Sam Greenwood I know he came through the academy at Sunland and then at Arsenal as well as a striker so there's maybe potential opportunity within that you spoke Johnny about opportunity within unavailability and selection problems there's one there for Greenwood but the, the it's just the difference in profile between him getting in behind and really testing and stretching Sunderland because they had a high line in that game. And Corburn, who isn't going to be a threat in behind. And I think with Corburn, there's a big conversation around him. I just don't think that he's up to the required level. And I'm not saying that based off that cameo I just I don't think he suits our style I I really don't think he suits our style I think we're wanting a striker really that can do a little bit of everything that can stretch a a team that can maybe drop deep and, and has good movement and I just don't see that from Corbin so I think that was probably the the substitution that altered it the most in my opinion because we didn't really have that threat in behind necessarily and with Silvera he's still finding his feet and he's I mean he was in Qatar like two seconds ago so I was really surprised to even see him in the squad but yeah substitutions worked for them they brought on another 1v1 threat through Roberts because I don't think Barr was particularly great and then for us it had the adverse effect unfortunately
2: yeah and I think that, to answer your question as well Matt I would have probably taken on off as well I think that um Ballas was playing really well and it was just a shame to see. It. And then Greenwood, it was near us actually. It went the ball got switched over and you could just see like something in his knee or whatever. He just he just hobbled, didn't he? And man, it was like, oh oh god. And then like he went off and then he was like trying to stretch on the sideline. I don't know what he did, to be honest, but it felt like something just went in that moment. And then in the subs as well, like yeah, we'll come to over in a, in a moment when it comes to podcast questions, but for everything else, I thought, yeah, they were just not as effective as we wanted them to be. Um, but let's move on. Let's move to podcast questions now. <laughs> Yes, podcast questions. Every week you get the chance to ask us a question uh, via email, the at hotmail.com. Uh, tweet us at Borough underscore breakdown. Or join in our Telegram chat with 400 Borough fans. Chan, everything but Borough. Sometimes we do, especially on match days. It's been very active today. Um, and the first question is from Jack, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to read this, Jack, because you've upset <laughs> me already. Um, he says... I'm crying already, well enough. He said, do you guys... Do- <laughs> said, do you guys think that Engel is up, is up there uh, with Giles? I'm struggling to see it myself. Not adventurous and defensively, positionally, lets himself down. Uh, would you have gone in for Giles in January? And are you as annoyed as me to see him at home? I think we should get a good consensus on this one. Um, personally, I really like Lucas Engel. I think he's on the leash a bit too much. And I think he's better defensively than Giles, 100%. But just let him off the leash because his left foot is a wand. And I'm sticking to it. Jack, you've insulted me and upset me. <laughs> I'm going to defend it now, John. But then um, you're nodding at me and you're yes, going, yes.
3: I was nodding enthusiastically for those that are listening and not watching. <sighs> Honestly, I agree. Let him go. Let him go down that left hand side. I really don't know. How we use utilise it. Well, I know how we're utilizing him. He just seems to be holding back. And the thing is, the way that Borough play, the fact that we've got a left winger coming in field, there's a whole runway there for Lucas Engel to do his thing. And I just think that he's shackled a little bit. But then again, it could well just be him. We we don't know. It could be the way that Carrick wants Borough setting up. Maybe he wants ailing on the other side to be that width. But I thought we really struggled with that width in the first half. And there were so many times that Lucas Engel could have got up onto that left flank and offered us an outlet out wide. And we just, again, like earlier on in the season, the distribution from the left centre-back, which was Rav, to the left-back just wasn't there. Obviously, Rav is is right-footed, I believe. So maybe that was a, a problem. But I just I want to see him get forward a lot more than he does because there were some really good balls that he played in, particularly in the second half where, obviously, he was on the left. And then he filtered that ball through on the inside, down that left channel. And they were really good balls. His delivery in terms of whipping the ball into the box doesn't seem as good? But then I'm thinking, you know, we had Ryan Giles last season, so maybe I've got him in the back of my mind. But yeah, I I don't like the way that we're utilising him. I don't. I think he's developing well, but I think he could be a lot better based on how Borough are using him. And I just think that he's being held back a bit.
0: Planning for your next trip? Matt, what do you think?
4: I like you, Johnny. I think he's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, some of the balls he, he not just like down the channels, but some of the balls he plays centrally as well are just so accurate. Like, he'll fizz the ball into the centre, whether it's the the 10 or whoever it is, and they're always on point. Uh, he drills them in and they're absolutely brilliant. And there was one he, he played in behind to Sam Greenwood second half and, and Greenwood got in and was 1v1 and he, he put his shot wide. But it was another unbelievably well-weighted ball. So, um yeah, I, I think Engels fantastic. I think, again, let him off the shackles a bit, see see what he can really do. But I think he's been amazing. And um I'm not annoyed that Giles is, is at Hull. I'm over it. Just about. Oh,
3: I am. Yeah, tw- yeah. sorry, I forgot about this part of the question. I am only because, I mean, it was obvious, I'm sorry, it was so obvious that it was never going to work out at Luton stylistically. That is a low possession percentage team. And Ryan Giles in a low possession percentage team is just yeah. not going to work. It's going to highlight his deficiencies more than it's going to highlight his strengths. And so, yeah, to see him at a a championship team and a championship team that are in the same bracket as us being a, you know, playoff contender and not like a a lesser Southampton, Leeds, et cetera, or Ipswich is, yeah, that's frustrating. It's frustrating. It's a a playoff competitor that has a really good asset there in Giles that suits our system a lot.
2: Yeah. But I would have not paid 5 million for Ryan Giles. No. Not a chance. Um, I I like... Giles, I think he's brilliant. Going forward, he was sensational for us last year, and I think he'll do well at Hull. And good luck to him. But for five million pounds, I would not pay for Ryan Giles. Not a chance. So, and that's and that's it. That's kind of where I stand on it. But for like, we've done well to recruit Bangur and Engel for. I think we've paid one point nine million for both of them, and then you know if we paid five million for Giles, like Jesus Christ, why, why have we done that? But yeah, look, we everyone had a, a big agenda on Giles defensively last year. I think we're better defensively with Engel going forward. Let him off the hook and, and let him, let Engel cook is what I'm kind of saying. Maybe it's a hashtag, maybe it's a t shirt, but let Engel cook. That's what I'm going to say. But we got another question. It's around Josh Corbin, and there was a load about uh, Corbin in our, in our question tweet. Just around like, why is he here? Why is he still playing? What does he bring? Is he good enough? And It'd be good to get your thoughts on it as well, Matt, because you, you did allude to it, so I feel like I'd be a bit harsh coming back to you and letting me repeat what you were just about to say. But for me, I think that, and I said this a few weeks ago, you can't fault Corbin doing what he did from september to december because he did a job and we need him to is he good enough for championship or where we want to get to probably not I'm glad that he did the stock gap but we should have invested in a striker in january if it, if the right person was available There weren't or for whatever reason something just didn't work out and now we're say stuck from that's harsh but i just think that he's just ineffective more times than he's effective if that is the politest way to say it. And yeah. It, it, I just, yeah, I don't think he's shite. I think he's just, like, he's just not <laughs> as effective as I want him, to, want him to be in certain moments. But like, a key thing today was when he came on, you could see someone's line went higher and they were going higher and higher. They are trying to pinball it up because one, he wasn't getting it defeated, and we didn't have an outlet in running it behind. So you were able to push higher and with Azaz is the same. And you're hoping really, if you were to do that sub so again, maybe put Silver up top, maybe try and move something about Maybe bring Alex Gilbert on or bring on a, a wing, it, or even like if you wanted to bring on, uh, like Matt Clark or, or Luke Thomas, push angle up, move us as to the right, put Silver up top. I would my rather do that than probably what we did with Coburn today, but yeah, I just, yeah, it's, it's not as effective as I want them to be. And then, Matt, what do you think your, your, your final piece of the the Corburn consensus? And then we'll move on to, to Paul's question and, and wrap things up.
4: Well, I think to answer the question on why is he here, he's here because we've not invested and gotten anybody else or we've not got more quality and depth in that position I think it says it all that he was intended to go out on loan in the summer to Plymouth that says it all I think as much as Carrick wants to dress it up that he's here he's our player we want to develop him I get it but we were looking to loan him out and I think if we'd have maybe gotten a striker in say we got a striker in early January there's a, probably a chance we would have then tried to loan him out so he's here because we haven't got the quality and depth required. I'm not going to blame Josh Coburn because at the end of the day, he's one of the, the, the two or three starting strikers, one of the two strikers we've had available to us at least for the first half of the season. So he's obviously going to have to play quite a lot of minutes. He's going to have to try and chip in best he can. I'm not going to knock his effort. I'm not going to knock his endeavour. But at the end of the day, I don't know if it's doing him more harm than good. I think he's getting good experience, but I think the club are gambling on him, developing as a player. And I just don't think he's going to develop as well in this poorer side than he would elsewhere. I think he'd be better going out on loan to a League One side or a Championship side who are best suited to his strengths. And he can get better as a player there. So I'm not. Yeah, he's only here because we haven't brought a a striker in. and, And yeah, whether it's going to benefit him in the long run, I don't know. But we definitely should have strengthened in January. We didn't. So I think it's more the club's fault that he's in the position he is more than Josh Corburn. But I agree with you, Johnny. I just don't he is ineffective more often than he is effective. I think he has to play in a certain system that complements him more. And I just more often than not, the way Borough plays not going to work for Josh Corburn. So it's it's a shame that I think it's just not it's just not working out at the moment.
2: Yeah. We need to bring back the the big striker, little striker combo in football, and he might settle a little bit more on, on that one. And then final question. Danny, you already said, so I won't come to you, but it was from Paul. And he says, do you think we can make the playoffs? Yes or no, Matt? Do you think Borough can make the playoffs?
4: We can, but I don't think we will. Mm. I think we're, we're screaming 8th to 10th place at the moment. I just, until we've got a consistent squad without injuries and until I've seen we can put a consistent run together and until our home form improves, it's very hard to make an argument that we we can surpass Coventry, Hull, West Brom, et cetera, and get ourselves into the top six at the moment.
2: Okay, then we'll move on now to everyone's favourite place. It is the praise and place. Oh! Oh! Ah yes, the praise and place. The only place where like to give praise to a player, coach or staff member. Um Matt's Boris shirt just behind him. I think it's the ninety-four-95 shirt as well. Dana's gone with the ninety-nine shirt to 2,000, and I'm just in a black jumper. Um, So I've really (laughs) let the side down uh, there um, as well. Um, But praise and place time. Who's in your praise and place, Danimall? Who gets the the Holy Grail? uh, That is your praise and place nomination.
3: I'm going to go with two players. I'm going to go Sam Greenwood firstly because I think that was a much better performance from him, and I definitely want to see more of that. And then I'm also going to praise the Rav Vandenberg goal line clearance because upon second viewing of it like he couldn't not have cleared that but then at the same time I mean it it definitely spawned a reaction from the crowd who at that point were flat based on what they'd seen so I really enjoyed that moment and his performance again you know he's just a really astute player and, and a very mature defender considering that he's 19 as well it's crazy he's one of the signings of the summer for me. So yeah, Greenwood and Rob Vandenberg getting my
4: appraiser place this week. Matt, who are you going to go for? I'm going to have to put Marcus Force in there because just the, the technique and the touch and the finish is just amazing. I know it's kind of standard Marcus Force, we expect that from him, <laughs> but it was still absolutely amazing. And I, I, would, I would agree with Dana and I would put Sam Greenwood in there. I, I've kind of been a bit sceptical on Greenwood throughout the season. I think His numbers maybe blur the perception of him a little bit because I think there are a lot of games or a lot of periods in games where he has been very ineffective. And you could argue when he's not on the ball or when Borough don't have the ball, you may as well not have Sam Greenwood on the pitch at times. But it was very good today to see him making them runs in behind. And as Dana said, I couldn't agree more that there is maybe a glimmer there glimmer of hope that, that we could use him in that in that role whether he's got the ability to finish at the end of it I don't know but at least we could use him to to stretch defenses and obviously it helped create the chances i got which he should have done better with so force deserves to be in there definitely and Sam Greenwood too I'm hoping that's maybe a, a sign of, of things to come for him.
2: Yeah, and I think just to round us off as well, I'm going to go with... I'll agree with Marcus Foss. I thought he was excellent. It's just his form in general has been superb. I thought Engel's was really good today. I thought Ballas was good today. In terms of my praise, yeah. But I would say, even though it's a mistake, I would like to praise Tom cover for what he's done prior to that mistake. I think he's done really, really well to, to bed in. I still think Yang is the better goalkeeper and I think he should come back in uh, when he's back. Man, I he really like that comment. Um, <laughs> I just think that Yang is just the much better goalkeeper and that's cool. Like, I think there's, there's it's just a preference for me and I think it's better with his feet. I think he's better you know, with his distribution element as well. So, yeah, I'd just like to see... Uh, didn't come back, but yeah, for me, Glover really, really good. Uh, prior to the mistake, but in terms of moving on to something a little bit different, I would like just to kind of look at into the, the January transfer review now because you know, we're have brought in three players in the January window. Finn as of course, which we we know got a permanent from Aston Villa via Plymouth, Luke Ayling came in on loan, he's out of contract in the summer, and so is Luke Thomas as well, the left back who came from, from last who was at uh, Sheffield United earlier in the season. Um, no ham sandwiches for Luke, though. He missed that ball, oh, and he's came on loan for six months, but also he's out of contact in the summer as well. So two big auditions for those in their futures. But then transfers out as well. Hayden Coulson went out on loan again. Uh, Brian Balonga went out on loan as well. Morgan Rogers and then Khan Kavanagh as well went out on a, on, on a permanent to Bradford too. In terms of the, the glaring obvious... Uh, um, that we didn't bring in a striker. I'm keen to hear your thoughts on on two things, really. Obviously, Morgan Rogers. Obviously, I know you guys spoke about it, but I'll come to that in a moment. But Callum Cavanaugh as well just because a permanent, you know, went to to Bradford City. Do you think it was the the right move Dana, for for Cavanaugh to go on a permanent?
3: Yeah, probably. I mean, you see with some strikers that come through the academy. I think Steve Walker is a good example of this. That technically. Actually, maybe he's not, but technically good and looks from the eye test like a really nifty kind of forward, but probably lacks the physicality. I think the reason why I say Steve Walker is maybe there was other circumstances there that didn't enable him to to make uh, it into the team. But with Kavanaugh, no, I'm not surprised. It just seemed like... He was the type of player where his next step was quite clearly to go to a a football league side, a a League Two side in Bradford. And I know people say, well, he scored so many goals under 23 or under 21 level, but it's just about taking that next step. And I think you've got to have the physical profile to be able to deal with it. And yeah, maybe maybe he just doesn't have that. But yeah, I, I will say I probably should preface this by saying that I haven't watched an awful lot of... Of But from the brief viewings I've seen, I think he's got the technical ability, but the physical thing, I think is a really big, important attribute to be able to step up to football league um, or at least the championship anywhere. And yeah, I'm not surprised.
2: Yeah. And look, what, 20 year old now, Cav, I think he needs games and needs to play regularly uh, at at a league club. You know, if you're getting him on loan again and you're having to look at him and it's like another year down the line, there's development. I just think it's the best move for him to to go uh, on a permanent now and and develop. You know, we've probably got some sort of clauses in that deal to bring him back. If it, if it worked out, there will probably be a on clause there or thereabouts. You know, I don't think we're that stupid in terms of those things. But for me, I just think it was the right move for him to to move on on a permanent. But we, we speak a lot about strikers because, you know, obviously Rogers was filling in the gap. Sam Greenwood is now filling that gap, last injured, Corburn. How big of a miss was it, Matt, that we just didn't bring in a striker? Because it was the one glare and obvious thing that we needed to really nail down in the January window. It was seen like from Kieran Scott's interview with BBC Tees that we looked fairly confident we were going to get one, but it just never really materialised, did it?
4: Yeah, it didn't. I was quite surprised. I, I headed into the January window after that interview with Kieran Scott and I thought, we've got a plan. And I thought we've got we've got something lined up, and I was expecting maybe not as quick as Arch, because I think Arch just signed on the second of January, was it? In last season, it was pretty quick, wasn't it? It was like it was all done and dusted, and we were waiting for the window to start. And I thought we were going to have something similar. And as the window went on, it, it felt clearer that Borough just wasn't the right player for the right price. And as much as I completely back the idea that we should only, you know, we should only look to buy the right player for the right price, we shouldn't overpay, we shouldn't. Panic buy it goes completely against, you know, what Borough are trying to do. And we've seen it backfire on us so much in the past. So I completely get that approach. But I still think for this season, it's pivotal that we got a striker. And I think we should have looked at the loan market. And I know, yeah, maybe there wasn't the player available. I know Premier League sides didn't make many signings. The domino effect that usually happens following that didn't really happen it was a quiet window so maybe it was a lot tougher than than maybe we think but it would have been the difference between me being confident of us getting into the playoff mix and us not because I personally think we're no further forward but we're no further back than where we were pre-January we've made some good stopgap signings at right back and left back because of long-term injuries you could argue as a sort of balanced out with the Rodgers outgoing as well and I think people maybe expected that we're going to get rid of a player like Rogers for such a good fee. We would reinvest some of that this window. And it was a bit deflating to see we didn't. So a striker is a, Pivotal gap for me that I am a little. Well, I am very disappointed we haven't filled, and that essentially for me is the reason as to why I don't think we'll get top six. I think fully fit defense is great, midfield's great, but even with a fully fit forward line, unless it's forced down the middle, that's the glaring gap for me, which makes me think that we're we're not quite going to get the playoffs this season because we've missed out on on the strike that we we knew we needed even from the summer.
2: Yeah, and then it was. Is there was there anyone at all? I know you, you you're looking at or any sort of deals you you kind of thinking i wish we kind of brought this player into to help us go forward
3: not really there was duncan Maguire that i mentioned on the podcast but i think with him and there's a big fiasco around has he actually yeah. signed for blackburn or not This seemed like an absolute basket case because that's the second january in a row where they've had a a bit of a cock up with the registration of a player but with him i think he had such a good season debut season in the mls you don't know if that's a flash in the pan. You like we you don't know how good of a player he could be and what his ceiling is and what his floor is. So yeah, there was no one really. I know there was Brandon Vasquez who ended up going to to Mexico. That seemed to be anywhere from reports, maybe our top target in the winter, but no, there was nobody really that I looked at in terms of a link list anyway that I thought, yeah, we could do with him. Because they were all did a you, bit much of a muchless
4: to be honest. Did you like the guy from Wimbledon, Dana? I can't remember his name. You went to whips Al
3: yeah, I completely forgot about him. Al it's yeah, he's a smart signing for Ipswich, I think. And he was a former target of Boroughs. I think it was the summer before last we were linked with him. But I'm not really surprised that we didn't go in for him, especially if a club like Ipswich are involved who are smart within themselves and also gone in for automatic promotion. But yeah, he could have been one, to be fair.
0: Mm.
2: Smart, but also owned by a billionaire, <laughs> uh, so it makes Help. things a little bit easier. No problem. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like, it is a bit of a glaring miss that we, we haven't brought a striker in. I think I'm having it as well. Like, I, I think that I'm a bit like, Is that a bit of a too big of a step up? Like, I, I don't really know for a million mm-hmm. pounds. You kind of go, Well, maybe it's a, a risk worth taking or a punt. Definitely, I wouldn't have paid a lot more than that. But you know, for us to lose Rodgers and my thoughts on it, given that I was on, on the show with you guys, I, I'm kind of just that, like. I made ease with it. It was very much a, you know what, you're going to get 16 million for him. That was the reported fee in, in total if it if it comes off eventually. And if it does come off, you get a sell-on clause. That's not what you're just going to get from. You're not just going to get 16 million. You're going to get way more than that. You're going to get probably a fairly hefty price um, come to the club from nothing and you know it, it, you can't i don't I don't think you can ever turn that down for a player to be honest he goes back to his home club got good money for him you bought him on on, on the cheap if you said to me in november that morgan rogers would go for 16 million in the, in the january i've laughed at you for me i think it's, it's a great move all around for everyone to be honest and i'd liked him i really really liked morgan rogers i thought he was arguably one of borough's best players um, and definitely most influential uh in key moments but I just think it's a good move all around. It's a shame we didn't we didn't you know we didn't bring someone in. But if there's more players in the summer that are available and more so to us, Tyrese Campbell, then I just think it would uh, it would be more beneficial for us to do that. But guys, how would you rate the the transfer out uh, transfer window out of ten? or Three in, four out, fairly you know, plaster stopgap and into the summer, I guess. But then how would you rate it out of ten?
3: Solid five. I agree with Matt. We've not really further forward, we're no further back. We've obviously filled positions that need to be filled, i.e. the full-back positions. And then we brought in a a good player in Azaz who is undoubtedly the signing of the window. So, yeah, five out of ten for me. Pretty middle of the pack, pretty bang average.
2: Yeah, I'd go five as well. And then for for you, Matt, what are you going to go for?
4: Five. Absolutely. It's just a bog-standard transfer window, yeah.
2: All fives, um, and and that's it. But let's move on uh, to Bristol City now, um, because you know Bora uh, do Bristol City next Saturday, and we like to do our trivia every single podcast now. It's becoming a bit of a staple uh, to this show. And speaking of you know household names and, and staples, I just want to chat about Leroy um, uh, because he's a household name in many, many households because he's played for that many clubs. <laughs> and the question for, about Leroy today, because he did play for both clubs, he played for Bristol City at the start of his career in the Borough just a little bit later on. And he has played for a number of clubs since. Um, but how many goals in total did he score for Borough and Bristol City? combined so your timer uh, starts now Yes, time is up, time is up. So for Lee Rolita then, he played 96 games for Bristol City, 82 for Middlesbrough, Um, so a lot of games there. But how many did he score in total? Danny, you're looking very sheepish uh, there, so I'm going to quote to you first. How many goals did Lee Rolita score combined uh, for Borough and Bristol City?
3: I've gone 23, and I feel like that's a very low number. Because I didn't expect him to have made that many appearances for Bristol City, but I'll just go with it. I'll, I'll own it. I'll see it on my chest. 23. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Six, with a squiggly yeah. question mark. I never put the question marks like that. So I don't know why I've yeah, yeah. pulled out the bag there. But
2: yeah. yeah. You go for 23, you know, you go for that. Um, Silly chest. And you, you he's <laughs> <You're> so. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Matt, what did you go for?
4: <laughs> I, I'm a mess, to be honest with you. I went 35. <laughs> Then I went twenty five, and that scribbled <laughs> out. Went down the middle, and went. I shot it thirty. Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Well, I'm scared. Think,
2: I think you guys forget how Leo later was back in the day. Um, oh God! Because he scored thirty six goals in ninety six games for Bristol City, and he scored twenty in eight in eighty two for Middlesbrough. Uh, so it was fifty six goals in total. Um, he also played at Reading as well, where he played 100 games and scored 32 as well. Um So, for those three clubs, you know, he's racking up some goals and then just fell off oh, a cliff God. from there, to be honest. Yeah, just fell off a cliff from there. But good old Leroy later, you know. I used to live under Tony Moabrie. was fantastic. Oh. But
3: I, I thought um, he'd be the classic Wikipedia footballer of like Bristol City, 23, and then in brackets, nine. That's what I was expecting. But yeah, I, I underestimated. He was, he was a goal scorer. He was uh, a right later, wasn't he?
2: Prolific. I was joking. <laughs> so, Bristol City, then, how are we feeling about it? Because, you know, new manager, Liam Manning, as well, we're not really new anymore, but it's one of his first home games. He beat Middlesbrough, and we. It was a really frustrating game. I would say a very typical Borough of of this season as well. And we'll try and get some more for later in the week around the game. But what is your predictions going into it? Matt, how do you feel about next Saturday's game?
4: Normally I'd be quietly confident, but with Borough's home form at the moment, most of my confidence is completely gone. Just our lack of goal scoring at home. I think we've scored 16 goals in 15 home games or something. It's, It's... Pretty low score, and it's pretty average, and Bristol City are naturally a bogey team. I feel like every time they've come to Riverside, they've won one-nil. I don't know why I think that it's a very Bristol City away at the Riverside performance, but we drew one all at Rotherham against Rotherham at home. We drew one all against Sunderland. I'm gonna go one-all again. Which one again be a be is negative? Uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Once you know, it's it's like London buses, you know, like one draw Two come at once. I yeah. think. I think with McGree back, I feel confident. He just gives me a bit of confidence that I didn't think I'd have. I just think he's so good. And maybe unlocks Engel a little bit more uh, as well. But yeah, I think we go I think we go and win this game. And and they're a good Cyprus or City, you know. They were there was they were my like surprise pick of the season. And the golf Go through like fleuries each year where they look really good and then they just somehow dip. and I don't get it, but again, dark horses for I would say, you know, for, for the remainder of the season. I think they could still have a good end uh, to the season. I was watching something from, from Lehman uh, the other week around just, like, his philosophy and how he plays, and it was really interesting. Denna, what's your what's your pre- uh, predictions and how are you feel about this game?
3: Well, I'm a little bit nervous now that I've seen that we've only managed to win twice at home against Bristol City in the last 10 appearances. Going back to 2010, it's just very typical of us to have them rock up to the riverside and for us to lose. So, I mean, our most recent win at home against them was in 2021, so not that long ago. Who scored in that game? Oh, are and Crooks, lovely. Oh, that was at the beginning of the season. I remember that one. Um, Yeah, I'm going to go with a win, a hopeful win. Uh, I think I'll go with... 2-1 2-1
2: Borough. Okay, 2-1 Borough. So draw a mat, a win for me and a win for you, Dana, as well. Um, and that's it. Uh, thank you very much uh, for joining me, guys, as always. To listeners and the viewers, thank you very much for watching and listening to the podcast. Well, don't forget to give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider, a thumbs up on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe, of course, because 40% of you... Watch this video every single week and haven't subscribed? So naughty, naughty you! But for right now, this has been the Bore Breakdown podcast. The game today day was a star of our season, and don't forget to live, laugh, and Leroy later. This has been Bore Breakdown podcast, and that was I Bore watch Ashday Chatter in a pod of the bore.